You are listening to Mid-City Vineyard Podcast. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, on Canal Street. You can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, also on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. We want to invite you to be a part of our Election Day communion coming up on November 8th from 6.30 to 7.30. We will be worshiping and praying and sharing communion together on election night. Also, we have our food bank drive where we will be supplying groceries and uh, food for the food pantry at Ronald McDonald House. That is on November the 6th. Uh, Look us up on Facebook to learn more about that. This weekend, we continued our series, Hope 2016, as we're moving towards the election on the 8th of November. This particular week, we were looking at what it means to be the church and how as the church we are called and invited to be a society within the society. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. Tonight we're going to continue this series. This is our third week. And we've entitled this series Hope 2016 because this is leading us right up to November 8th uh, for, for this election. Because I just I watched the other debate this week. Did you guys watch the debate? I know some you know some of you have gotten to the point where you're turning it off all the time. I personally have been watching the de- the debates for entertainment purposes. Uh, we put the children to bed because I feel personally like the, the the kids can't really be hearing the things that the candidates are talking about this year, uh, which is sad, but but true. And so we watch. Uh, and I'm you know uh, social media is alive and well with people just being uh, incredibly frustrated uh, with with. Uh, the political season this year, and maybe you are, maybe you're not. Um, again, I've said this a couple weeks in a row, but maybe you're voting voting for Clinton, and those in the room who uh, uh, who are voting for Clinton, those of you who are voting for Trump are going like, how could anybody vote for Clinton? And it's the same thing. Some of you are voting for Trump, and, and those who are not, how in the world could you vote for, for Donald Trump? So I'm hoping that tonight kind of brings a couple of things into perspective for us as followers of Jesus. Uh, this is not a teaching tonight that uh, if, if a person is not necessarily a follower of Jesus, I hope and pray that they would glean much from this. But in the end and in the grand scheme of things, this really is something that applies to those who are following after Jesus and who are moving in a direction with their life that they, that they desire to respond to the call of Christ, uh, to live according to a different rule of life, so to speak. So to start, though, uh, I heard a story this week about a teacher who has been a teacher in the private school system for 30 years. 30 years in the private school system, this, this person's been a teacher. And recently, they transitioned from the private school system to the public school system. So they made this jump in, 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 in just this little three-month summer period 30 years in, in this private school system, jumping over to the public school system. When they moved to the new system, they literally, this person literally had to relearn everything. Now, she, she knows how to teach, but she had to relearn all of, of the things when it comes down to the actual system. She had to learn uh, how to relate to a variety of different types of students than she had been teaching for the last 30 years. 
She, she had to uh, learn and relearn different forms of discipline because discipline in the public schools is very, very different than discipline in the private schools. She had to, to relearn uh, uh, um, processes for testing. She had to relearn routines. She had to relearn ways to relate to families because certain things are not allowed. Other things are allowed that were and were not in all of her years previous experience. And the reason she had to relearn everything so much is because there are literally two different systems. There are two systems. There, there is the system that, that, uh, that a public school teacher is learning and coming up in, and there is a system in the private school. Two different systems. And I would suggest to you that the world that we live in, there are various, there are actually, uh, there's a particular system in our world, the way the world operates. The world has always operated according to a particular system. The world will always operate according to a particular system. The world that we live in operates and is characterized by things such as winning. <laughs> winning is a big word in our society, in our culture. But this is how the world operates. How might I win? How might I be on top? How might I conquer? How might I or we, however, the collective, be in charge. The world operates according to this way of getting the last word. The world focuses on controlling people's behavior. I mean, just look at our, our prison system. The prison system in the United States of America is not intended to reform people. It's intended to control behavior. That's just, it's, it's the way things are operating in this particular world. The world and the way the system returns evil for evil. In the world that we live in, the system operates, it's, a core, it's what I get. What I get. In this system that we live in, in the system that we swim in, this is the system that Jesus himself walked into. This is the system that Jesus himself walked into. And when Jesus walked into this system, it's very important to realize that Jesus came and when he started preaching, the words that Jesus preached were this, repent, the kingdom of God is here. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. So a couple of words first about, about the word repent. The word repent means to change your mind. Now, depending on you know, your background and what, what you've been taught before, you know, I, I kind of understood it as Jesus' message. Repent for the kingdom is here was kind of like, tell God all the horrible things that you've done and stop doing horrible things because God's, uh, God's in charge now or, or something to that effect. But the word repent actually means, hey, change your mind. Uh, Jesus actually came inviting people into a new way of life, into a new rule of life, into a new system of operating. So the word actually and, and means Jesus is saying live, or I'm sorry, think differently. Think differently and live accordingly. So this teacher who moves from public, or I'm sorry, from private to public, what she needs to do is she needs to, in, in many ways, when it comes to her private uh, school understanding, she needs to repent. 
She needs to change directions. She needs to line up with the new, with the new system. She needs to line up with the new direction. Learn a new way. Step into a different system. This is Jesus' invitation. Now think about this. Because Jesus' invitation was aimed at those current disciples. Jesus' invitation to repent was aimed, those words were spoken to a large crowd on the side of a, of a hill. Jesus' invitation would actually be today still for our lives. This idea of repenting is an ongoing process. I mean, I, I personally, I've been a Christian, like really following after Jesus for 20 years. And now I find that there are still things in my life that I need to repent from and or of. What does that mean? There are still, there are still things in, in my life and in my thought processes that, that I'm realizing because the Holy Spirit will, will reveal something to me. And I'm thinking, oh man, all along I thought that I was headed a particular direction. I thought this was the right way. And yet now I'm, I'm seeing that that's, not, that's probably not the way that, that God is stirring me and directing me and moving me. I think Jesus is saying, think differently about your life. Think differently about how you rule. Think differently about yourself. Think differently about the earth. Think differently about others. Think differently about your enemies. Change your mind on, on things. You know, think differently. Uh, you, you've been swimming in this water for so long. Think differently about your ideas and understanding of forgiveness. Think differently about your money. Think differently about uh, your intimate life. Think differently about your politics. And then we say, oh, okay, so think differently. So, so does that mean that if I'm a Democrat, Jesus wants me to think differently and become a Republican? Or if I'm a Republican, think differently and become a Democrat? No, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. Here, here's what I really think Jesus is saying. The trust that you put in democracy is not going to save you. The trust that you put in democracy is not going to save the world. It's not going to fix the world. I think Jesus is saying, quit trusting in those things. Repent. Turn this, all, this, whole, this whole vein of thinking, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing a completely different thing. And so what, the, the, the way that you're moving in this and putting your trust in that, it's futile. And I think Jesus is saying, I want you to experience something completely different, something that's very new. See, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Again, he's not talking about some far off heaven. I, I think that Jesus is truly saying to us, look, I want you to, I want you to flourish in life right now. But I want you to flourish in, in life whether Hillary Clinton or Gary Johnson or Donald Trump is in office. I want you to flourish in life whether you are part of a, a, a government that is a democracy or, or if you live in a communist country. Like These things to Jesus for, for our flourishing don't matter. Because those are not the ways that Jesus is reconciling and redeeming and restoring the whole world. So an idea of repent, and this is kind of how this works in a very practical way in my, in my own life. And uh, I'm going to give this example, and you still can fall on whichever side of the spectrum you want. Okay, I'm, this, is, this is my story. Okay, everybody got that? <laughs> so you don't have to agree with it. Uh, you don't have to go this direction. This is my story. You have your story. 
Uh, I was raised in a home in which uh, it was it was very uh, it was very conservative for very uh, for many 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 years, and and um, I was always taught that governments have particular authority, and if governments want to execute uh, murderers within their society, capital punishment, then let's go get them. Like we we can do that because God has given authority to governments to be able to do that. Uh, I do believe that governments are in, in place, uh, that I think that they, they've, in, in many ways, that they have been formed and instituted by God to keep, um, uh, to keep the order. But forever, I was for uh, capital punishment. I was like, yeah, let's, you know, I mean, let's just, we don't need to fill up the jails, and we don't need to do this or that. Let's just, let's just execute them. But for me personally, and this is, this is one of those, those, this is where I'm telling you that I think that we are regularly being stirred by the spirit because after thinking that way for 16 17 years as a christian I, I began to realize that in my own heart i felt like god was saying brian that's kind of a that's kind of a hard sell sell for me now this, remember this is my story that's a hard sell for me you know that this whole this whole idea of, of of human life being being beautiful and this whole idea of nobody being irredeemable uh, of every uh, of nobody being outside of the reach of god's arm like I, I had to begin rethinking, rethinking my views on capital punishment. And I have reached a place now where I'm, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly uh, against the state executing people. Uh, now, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how else, I, I don't have a forum, I don't have a place, but what I do is, is I, I, I form my prayers in this way, I kind of move in this way, and for me, this is a, a form of repentance. This is, man, I was here and I changed my mind, I'm here. You see how that works? And so uh, what does it look like for you to continue to press in with the Holy Spirit in all these areas of our lives and how we handle uh, success and how we handle our jobs and how we handle money and how we handle our, our intimate lives and, and how we handle uh, our politics, all of these things. Because where how, how, do we allow the Spirit of God into all of these places? What's God doing in these places? Jesus embodied the kingdom in everything that he did. Jesus embodied the kingdom. Now think about this. When we try to figure out, well, what does the kingdom of God look like? Because we understand the kingdom of the world. Okay, so the kingdom of the world, the system of the world is about winning. It's about power over. The, the system of the world is about uh, violence. It's about re, uh, returning evil with, with evil. Those are the systems of the world. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, look, repent. There's a whole nother kingdom. There's a whole other system. There's a whole other way of operating. That's that's what I'm saying to you, Jesus says. And I want to invite you into this. And so now we're going like, OK, so we got this kingdom of God thing. And he, he's inviting us to change our mind about certain things. But what does that look like? I would suggest to you that Jesus embodies the kingdom of God. And what that means is that if we want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, if we want to know what it looks like, to live a life that is submitted to God as king or as, as God or, or as Lord or whatever term you want to use there, then I would suggest that we can look to Jesus. You know, and, and, and what that means is, well, how does the king, in God's kingdom, how does one treat their enemies? Well, let's look at Jesus. How does Jesus treat his enemies? Now, this is very weighty, by the way. <laughs> this gets very scary because all of a sudden we start seeing that Jesus treats his enemies very well. And here's the thing. If we really start moving in that direction, 
it, it, it could possibly turn out bad in a sense. For, I mean, it, it turned out kind of bad for Jesus because he got himself killed. So, we, you know, th- that's why this, and I think this is, we, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to move in these directions. But he, he loved his enemies. Well, what did it look like for, for in the kingdom? What does it look like to follow the Spirit's lead? Well, let's look at Jesus. I mean, because Jesus seems to follow the, the lead of the Holy Spirit quite often. What, in the kingdom, what does it look like to extend forgiveness? Or what does it look like to settle disputes? And I think we can look at Jesus for these things. What does it look like in the kingdom of God to resist evil? Now, he literally embodied, he literally represented and showed a different way to experience life and to experience our humanity. So here would be the question. Because Jesus' way is so different, is it possible that Jesus just doesn't understand the world today? Don't answer out loud. But I really think about that. Is it possible that Jesus, you know, he said these things. 2,000 years ago, Paul kept writing about it within the next 100 years. Is it possible that Jesus just doesn't understand the world we live in? Or, or let me ask it this way. Is it possible to say that Jesus is the Son of God and also say that, and yet he doesn't understand the world today? It, it's very interesting because, remember, and you, you, we have to put ourselves in this mindset, but when Jesus was walking on the planet... Jesus was walking with the oppressed people. Okay, so, you know, we don't, we, we don't know what that's like. We don't know what it's like to be the oppressed people. Because, let's face it, we live in 2016 in the most powerful country in the world. Like, we're not the oppressed people. We're at the top of the, at the, top of the um, chain. We are, we are the people, <laughs> this is awful to think about when you think about it, but we are the people who Jesus was actually trying to help the disciples deal with. <laughs> because the disciples were the oppressed people, the Jews were the oppressed people, and Rome was, the, was at the top of the chain. And Jesus is saying to the oppressed people, love your enemies. I know, Jesus says, I know they're trying to kill you. I know in 70 years or in 40 years that the Romans are going to come in and they're going to just wipe out Jerusalem. They're going to wipe out your city. But listen, this is what I'm telling you. The way of the kingdom is to extend love and to come under and to lay down your lives for one another for the sake of the kingdom. And this just seems crazy. So it would be hard to say that Jesus doesn't understand the world today because I would suggest that the world he was speaking to and the people he was speaking to had it a million times worse than we do. So what what does this, this mean for us? You see, in everything that he did, Jesus showed us what life on the planet looks like when it's submitted to God. And then Jesus does this amazing thing in the book of Matthew. Jesus says, hey, who do the people say that I am? And they're like, oh, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're like John the Baptist. It's kind of a weird passage. But then all of a sudden, Jesus says, well, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter looks at Jesus, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, wow, Peter, yeah, that's, I, didn't even, I didn't even tell you that. This is how Jesus says it. He says, bless you, Peter. He says, you didn't get this answer from books. Or from teachers, he says, my father in heaven, God himself, 
let you in on this secret of who I really am. And then Jesus says, now I'm going to tell you who you really are, Peter. You're, you are a rock. And on this rock, I'm going to put together my church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And here's what Jesus does. He says right here, he says, listen, I'm going to do something that hasn't been seen before. I'm going to set up my church. Now, the word that he uses here is ecclesia. And when, when, when these people, when the Jews would have heard this, they, they knew what the ecclesia was. The ecclesia was a term that was already being used in Jewish communities and Greek societies and Roman societies. The ecclesia in those times was a society within the society. It was a group already within the larger society. It was a smaller group of people. Most of the time it was the elders in, in, in the town. And those elders were known as the ecclesia and they came together and their job was to bring value to the larger society. This is, check, this is amazing. So what they would do is they would figure out, you know, how can we help those in the society? You know, there's, there's potholes all up and down this particular road and our chariots keep falling in. And so, you know, how do we, how do we fix those? And how do we do these various things? And they, would, they, would, they were a council. They would come together. They would bring value. And Jesus says, I'm doing something new and I'm doing something different. I'm setting up my alternative society or my society within the larger society. And here is what you're going to do. You're going to be a people who are set apart. Now, now directly to you, church, to us, this is what I do. We are invited by Christ and asked by Christ to be a people who are set apart, who do not live under the rule of this system that rules the world. Now, it doesn't mean we're anarchists <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. What it means, though, is that we, we do not surrender our lives to whatever system is running the world. See, the kingdom of this age, in the kingdom, the people of this age, we are the church. And through us, the church, his body, citizens of the kingdom, we continue to embody God to the world. So we are the ones who bring more and more of the, of the future into the present. We are the ones who God's saying, look, I want you to look different. I want you to look different. I, I, think, I think Jesus is saying, listen, Christians, like you don't have to freak out like the rest of the world over Trump or Clinton because that's not how I'm redeeming the world. And sure, if one gets in, that's going to impact you some. And if the other gets in, that's going to impact you some. But that doesn't change what I'm doing. And the whole world's freaking out about this. I mean, uh, and now, uh, now even the candidates are, are saying that, that Russia is trying to sway the whole election by cracking emails and, 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 and leaking. I mean, like, how cra the, it's crazy. And it might be true, or it might, I, I don't know. But that's not not where our hope lies. See, I believe that God is, Jesus is gathering together a group of people who individually and corporately manifest the reality of the reign of God. This is what you see throughout the New Testament. And if that's true, then the question would be, well, how does it impact our thoughts? And how does it impact our prayers on the election? Here is my prayer. Lord, just have mercy. 
Just have mercy. Have mercy on everybody involved. Have mercy on us as the church. Have mercy on this country. Have mercy on the whole world. Um, because I, I don't believe that God is really interested. Listen, listen carefully. This is so important. But God's not interested. It's not just what I believe. God is not interested in making sure that America stays at the top of the chain and, and, and to rule the world and yada, yada, yada. Because God is redeeming the entire planet. Like that's what God's doing. And so he's saying, look, church, just get busy being the church. Stay busy loving your enemies. Stay busy forgiving debts. Stay busy extending kindness. Stay busy taking care of one another. Stay busy taking care of your communities. Stay busy helping one another in any which way you can. Stay busy maturing and growing. Stay busy blessing and not cursing. Stay busy in these ways. And it doesn't matter, right, left, Republican, Democrat, they they don't speak for us. They don't speak for us. You see, the word Christian, actually, the when, it, when it started, it means little Christ. That's, that's how the early Christians, so they called themselves Christians because they were like, we're just, we're little Christ. We're, we're like little, uh, little uh, anointed ones walking around doing the work of Jesus. You know, so a Christian is a Christian as, as much as they continue to, to represent and look like Christ. And so here's the deal with that. You can take... Donald Trump, and you can take Hillary Clinton, and you can say, well, this one's a Christian, and I will say, they don't look like a little Christ to me. Well, this one's, they don't look like a little Christ to me. I'm not saying that they're not Christians, but I'm just telling you that, like, I can't really just say, well, this one's more little Christ than this one, and so this one, like, we can only put our hope in Jesus and be about the business of Jesus in the kingdom, doing the things that he's called us to do and to be. The other thing that the Christians were called in those early days, they were called the way. So, so people who were ruled by the system of the world would look at what we were doing right now, say we were 2,000 years ago, and they would, just, they would say, oh, those are the people of the way. And they would say those are people of the way because our way of living should stand in stark contrast to the way of the empire, the way of the kingdom of the world, the, the way of the kingdoms of the world. It's just, it's a different way. And again, listen, these early Christians, it didn't matter. Socialism, communism, capitalism, Marxism, dictatorship, democracy, monarchy, it didn't matter because they were set apart to care for one another, to care for the poor, to care for the world, to care for their community. They were called to provide for those in need. They were called to improve what was happening around them. They were not called to rule. Jesus never invited the church to rule over anyone. I am so grateful for the separation of church and state. It is the best possible thing that can happen for the church. Because when the church gets married to the state, then the church all of a sudden gets this power, supposed power, that Jesus never intended for the church to have. The church was most effective in all of its history in the first 400 years before the church got married to the state. And so, 
this, this separation is beautiful because now it gives us an opportunity to just be what God's called us to be. To love the way God's called us to love. Remember, the kingdom of the world is not interested in changing people's hearts. It's interested in changing people's behavior. But God is not into behavior modification. God's gospel is not just, it's not a moral gospel. God's gospel is that it would impact every component of our fiber. And that we would be, we would, we would be just uh, consumed with the love and life and beauty of the Holy Spirit. And that we would live that out in amazing, beautiful ways. A very curious politic emerged in the early church. And this is how I'll move this and then we have a reading from 1 Peter. It says, The early Christians were not trying to overthrow Rome. The early Christians were not trying to reform Rome. And they also weren't just going along with Rome. They were not reformist. Offering the world a better Rome. What they did was they offered the dissatisfied masses not a better government, but another world altogether. My question is are we doing this? Are we doing this? I mean, are we offering the world? I mean, because here's, here's the thing, and this, you know, we need the presence of your Holy Spirit, even right now, God, because as long as we are married to our politics, as long as we are placing our hope in our candidate, as long as we are placing our hope in America's form of government, then we're, 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 we're no different than those who aren't knowing Christ. We're not, we're not any different than those who aren't walking with Jesus. We're no different than those who are not part of the kingdom of God. Because, because those early disciples, people saw something. They were like, wait a minute. Those guys, it's like they don't spend their money the same. Like they actually, they, it's, it's almost as though they don't rely on the system of government to make sure that they're okay. They just take care of each other. It's almost as though they, it's almost as though they trust something or someone completely different. I think that's what Jesus is still saying. As long as we're putting our hope in these other things, then we're just, we're just kind of stuck. We're not really set apart. In 1 Peter, Peter writes about this. So, Candace, would you, would you read this for us? You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, the ways of the world are not God's ways, so don't make yourselves cozy in them. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. 
Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity, love your spiritual family, revere God, respect the government. I love this. Revere God. Respect the government. Revere God. Respect the government. Revere God. This is who we are. This is who we are to be set apart. Throughout the scriptures, Jesus says, Be holy as I am holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. This is not a moral righteousness. This is, hey, be set apart as I am set apart. And so tonight, I'm going to pray for us. I personally personally think that this is incredibly challenging. I find in my own life that... uh, I put my trust, I really, I put my trust in in a lot of this stuff that we're talking about tonight. Um, But I think God is really saying to us, let's be set apart. Let's put that trust right here solely on me. And when you untie yourself from the system, then you're able to represent (coughs) we. Because it's not a you thing. This is a we thing. We're able to look like the kingdom. We're able to look like what Jesus has invited us into. So, Lord, we thank you again for your presence. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, uh, you know, whatever, whatever we need to hear from you tonight, wherever we need to be challenged, wherever... Maybe we're a little angry or maybe we're a little sad or maybe we're feeling even encouraged in certain areas. Lord, we just ask that you would keep pressing in on that. Lord, I for one, I really want to know a little bit more of what it looks like to be a society within a society. A, a, a group of people who, who really pursue forgiveness and pursue encouragement and Pursue love at, at all cost. I, I don't personally really know that. But I still think that's what you're calling us to. So would you continue to enlarge our hearts for more of that? So, church, as we go this week, I just say, may the Lord God cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you eyes this week to see the beauty of his kingdom. May the Lord enlarge your heart as you continue to grow in maturity in Christ. May the Lord give you opportunities this week to uh, recognize where God might be calling you to repent to change your mind, to think differently. May the Lord give you peace this week as you go. And may you experience 
what it is for God to smile over your life. To realize that God is not angry. God is not mad. But God is beautiful. And God is, God is good with you. And we pray these things tonight in the name of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.